My name is Ricky Day, and this is Nothing to Lose But Yourself. What's going on, y'all? Welcome, 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 and thank you for even joining. Once again, my name is Ricky Day, and this is Nothing to Lose But Yourself. I'm brand new podcast, and I'm going to be fully transparent with you. I'm a little nervous. You know, it's my first time at the rodeo, uh, but we're going to do this, and we're going to do this together. I did not start this thing to hear myself talk all day, though, so let's get into the episode and, and, and what it's about. First of all, today's conversation is one I am very excited about. I mean, if you're going to do something, I don't feel like you should do it half-baked. If I'm going to start a podcast, then I'm going to make it hot. It's going to be lit. And that's what it's going to be today. I'm excited about today's conversation because today I speak to a music industry icon about the importance of family and faith and believing in yourself. We also talk about her viral presence on Twitter, her friends and collaborators, Burt Bacharach and Hal David, and how being her authentic self led to her first hit single. So let's dive in together and lean into a conversation with the icon, Miss Dion Warwick. My guest today uh, represents one of the most extraordinary examples of staying power the music industry has ever known. She's a five-time Grammy award-winning music legend whose iconic sound uh, set the bar for American pop music by earning more than 60 charted hits and selling over 100 million records. I said 100 million records. She's done more than entertain the world, though. As a humanitarian, she's advocated for global well-being via uh, such efforts as AIDS awareness, Starlight Foundation, children's hospitals, and music education. She's met and worked with multiple U.S. presidents and used her music to support her activism. She performed in the all-star charity single, We Are the World, and on 1984's Live Aid. She also made recording history with Gladys Knight, Elton John, and Stevie Wonder with That's What Friends Are For, a number one hit and the first recording dedicated to raising awareness for AIDS. Miss Warwick's recent honorariums in 2017 alone include the fourth annual Cine Fashion Film Awards, the prestigious Marian Anderson Award, and she is now an Apollo Theater Walk of Fame inductee. Still unstoppable, Miss Warwick continues to perform and is the new queen of Twitter. Yep, queen of Twitter, because she injects some genuine positivity and humor into the platform via her heartwarming and often hilarious uh, interactions with young stars like The Weeknd, Chance the Rapper, and Cardi B. I am honored, and honestly, y'all, I'm kind of hyped to launch my podcast in conversation with a legend herself, Miss Dion Warwick. Hello, Miss Warwick. How are you? Thank you so much for joining today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am super, super well, uh, despite the world around us. Speaking of the world, how how have you been these last few months and, Lord Jesus, the last few days for that matter? How have you been yeah, uh, coping? So true. It's been it's been trials. Trust me. Well, you know, for the past, it's now 11 months. Yeah. I've been kind of uh, confined in my home. Which uh, I find it quite pleasant for a change. You know, not having to run through airports or jump on planes and do all that kind of craziness. And I'm enjoying 
sleeping in my own bed for a change and uh, get up and when I want to, not because I have to, <laughs> and, and <laughs> run up in the kitchen picking what I want to eat, not what somebody's fixing for me. Yeah, so it's been sort of the vacation I've never had. That's wonderful. And of course, all the madness that's happened in the past couple of days has been just really trying. It really has. I mean, so uncalled for. Yeah, it's unfortunate and uncalled for. Um, I don't want to wade into too much of that political stuff, but I do right. remember that you were on The Apprentice and, and you worked with the yeah. president at one point. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, that person that, that was on, that I did The Apprentice for, uh, I don't know what happened between that boardroom, whatever that is, what he called it, to that Oval Office. I don't know what transpired between those two. I mean, New York is not that far from Washington, D.C. And for something that drastic to have taken place, I'm still kind of befuddled about that. That's not the person that I knew. You know, I don't know what that is sitting in that Oval Office that will be soon gone from it, thank God, and a few other responsible people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, it's, it's, it's sad um, to see someone who can't take um, a civil uh, approach to, okay, so you won. I think it's wonderful. Congratulations. And do the job. I mean, that's as simple. How simple is that? Yeah. It's tough. Um, I know you're a woman of faith as I am a man of faith. And, and my faith mm -hmm. wants me to lean in and love and, and forgive. And I must admit, well, it's very difficult uh, because of all the hate that's been stirred up. But uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to pray for the country and, and, and pray for him. And oh, yeah. I suspect mental health issues might be part of that process. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Not the way he's approaching this. Is, it just doesn't make sense. You know, um, so I think a little time spent with a few responsible people who deal with that kind of issue might not be such a bad idea. And he's got children right. that should look at and say, Dad, you know, let, let, let's take a little walk here yeah. <laughs> and find out what the real problem is. Absolutely. So I am proud to admit I'm one of your nearly 442,000 followers on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm Thank here you. for it. I'm here for all of it. Uh, and tell Brittany we love her and we thank her, by the way, yeah. uh, for turning you on. I know the story personally, but if you wouldn't mind just briefly, I just don't want to assume my listeners know, how'd you get into Twitter and, 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 and interacting with folks the way you are yeah, there? Watching her and my other nieces and nephews on Twitter, you know, how much fun they were having, you know, going back and forth. With certain, I said, oh, that sounds like a, something I can do. And since I'm sitting at home now with nothing else to do, it was like, okay, wait, show me how to do this. <laughs> and she said, you really want to know, Angie? I said, yeah, I really want to know. And she took her time, you know, gave us some frustrating moments, but <laughs> she took the time to show me. And uh, it's working out. I'm having a great time. Well, that's one of the small blessings the pandemic in 2020 has given us. Dion Warwick yeah. on Twitter. Uh, you are a perfect example, though, I think, of a, a great way to lean into the moments that we're in and, and just, uh, you know, not try to resist and fight the moments, but find ways to experiencing, experience them that are positive. Uh, it keeps you from being lonely. It keeps you engaged and gives you. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, it does. I've made some new friends, you know, and um, a lot of the youngsters. 
uh, if they didn't know who I was, they're finding out who I am. And it's just been a bunch of fun. I'm getting such wonderful responses to, uh, I, think, I think what's happening is that they're enjoying a grown up being on Twitter. <laughs> they are. And you know, the other thing I think they're enjoying is a grown up who seems to respect and appreciate them and wants to engage with them as opposed to yeah. pointing fingers and looking down. You're engaging in an organic kind of way, which is what I do. I love young people. They love me. And it, it's really heartwarming to see. Uh, you know, it's not lost on me that Cardi B and Chance the Rapper are two of the people that you interacted with uh, yeah. uh, most consistently. And they're really authentic people, as I sense you have always been. What's that been like for you interacting with them, among it's others? Been absolutely sensational. The weekend as well. <laughs> you know, um, it's just been a bunch of fun and getting to know them as they're getting to know me. And it seems like something that they want to do, you know, um, it's just, um, uh, how do you say, um, they're appreciating someone as a lot older than them, uh, understanding them and wanting to get to know them and, and to interact with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm there if you need to ask me a question. I certainly have the ability of answering it. And I want them to know I'm having fun. And I want them to know that, you know, nothing is done in a malicious or a way that uh, they can feel intimidated in any way. You know, ask me anything. I'll, I'll try to find an answer for you. Well, you have been a blessing to us. And I, I honestly believe a blessing to Twitter. You've injected some positivity in a space that isn't always known for that. So yeah. I, I really want to thank you for that. Uh, speaking of that, um, on your Twitter feed recently, you asked this question, how are you all choosing to create positive change? And what are the causes you're most passionate about? I'm curious, did you get any particularly inspiring or interesting answers to that? I'm, I've, I've been offline for for a day or two. Okay. So I haven't gotten to those yet, but I will get to them and I will answer. You know, I think uh, that's something I want to know. And I think it's something that each one of them had the ability of answering. Absolutely. I can tell you, for me, my answer to that question is actually creating this podcast that I'm launching and you one of the first guests on. Uh, oh, this podcast know. is absolutely focused on um, talking to people, uh, whether it's professionals or entertainers or psychologists or scientists, uh, exploring how people get to really know, embrace and love their authentic yeah. self. Uh, because I think it's important when you don't love and understand your authentic self as a creation of God and whoever you are on the inside and walk in that, we feel the need to create these hierarchical systems that oppress other people to make you feel better, buy things just to feel better and, and speak ill of others just to feel better. You have not been that kind of person at all. You seem to be a very authentic person in your life. And so my question to you, and I yep. think it may be one of the few times you've been asked this question is, Despite what you do for a living and your wonderful career, who are you at your core? Who is Dion Warwick, the human being? <laughs> you know, the, the simplest answer I can give you is what everybody who absolutely knows me, who have grown up with me, have been around me for years and years and years. What you see is what you get. That's Dion. I have no reason to be anything other than who I am or what I am. And uh, that's I was I was taught that from I think from the crib probably, mm -hmm. you know, be who you are. You can't be anybody but yourself. 
That's great. That, that's wonderful. And I've really sensed that in, in your life and career, as I said. Um, you know, from where I said, you've not only been a talented artist and a self-assured black woman, and I, I love black women. I'm raised by strong, amazing black women. Uh, yeah. But you also clearly are, have been engaged, as you just shared, you know, being your authentic self. Um, where did that kind of come from in you? Was it parental? Was it your life experiences? Yeah. Just the soul that beats in you? What, what, what is that? What, what fuels that? Definitely my parents, you know, um, I, I can remember like it was yesterday coming off tour, one of my very first tours, you know, it's Dionne Warwick, da, 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 da. and coming home, still living at my mom's home and sitting down at the dining room table, having dinner with everybody and then getting up and get going upstairs in my bedroom. And it was like, uh, excuse me, Missy. Uh, these dishes have got to be cleared and they have to be washed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mommy. <laughs> you know, grounded. grounded. Absolutely. That's what I was raised. That's how I still am. I have no reason, as I said, to be anybody other than who I am. I'm, I like me. And we like you too. Uh, and it's important, you know, you know, it's, you say that and, and I feel that and I sense that from you, but that's not, necessarily everyone's story. A lot of people don't like uh, themselves, let alone love themselves. And I know it's sad to, you know, there's no reason not to feel worthy. You right. know, you, you've got to know who you are and who you are. is very important to liking who you are. Mm -hmm. So it, I, I don't understand anybody not liking themselves. I just don't. There's no reason for them not to. My mommy and daddy always told me, and my grandfather, who I he was a minister and I truly thought he was probably one of the wisest men that ever walked this earth, second only to Jesus, okay? And <laughs> Grandpa always told me, you know, always, I don't care what happens, what goes up or down, be truthful. Always be honest. And sometimes you're going to wind up what you put in your mouth, but learn how to chew on it and swallow. <laughs> you know, there's going to be those occasions. And, I mean, to this very day, all my friends, who I had so much school with, are still my friends. I mean, we see each other when I get home. And uh, they have said on several occasions, and you can ask any one of them, only if you really want to know, ask Dion. Because <laughs> she will not belong, <laughs> she'll tell you the truth. <laughs> you know, that, that's my whole upbringing, being who I am. And uh, my mom and dad always preached that to me. You got to be you. You know, and sometimes people won't like it. But then, you know, that's their problem. They have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with it if you're going to be who you are. Absolutely. You're not responsible for other people's reaction right. to, to, to your truth. Um, but I do notice that you do not do it with any malice. You're just being lovingly and honestly who you are. Yeah, I, I, I like to laugh too much and smile too much. To be ugly, because that's what ugliness is, being yeah. evil and vindictive and doing crazy things to people when it's not necessary to do. So many of uh, my listeners are going to be young people, millennials and such. And mm -hmm. so, I, you know, I think it's important uh, as a country and as people, we don't really cherish our history and we don't really tell the stories the way I think we should tell them about where we've right. come from and to get to where we are. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in East Orange, New Jersey in the 50s and 60s. Paint a picture for us. It was wonderful. You know, uh, my childhood was what I wish 
was happening now. I wish every kid in the entire world had the opportunity to have the childhood that I had. Um, I lived on a street called Sterling Street in East Orange. And our street was virtually the United Nations. We had every race, color, creed, religion, and we all walked to school together. We played in each other's yards. We uh, had sleepovers in each other's homes. We had dinners and lunches under each other's tables. So, you know, my childhood was a well-rounded, loving, giving, caring childhood. Um, did all the things that youngsters should be doing today. You know, I, I didn't have the need to carry a gun. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's so s silly. I find it really a stupid thing to impose that kind of, of grown-up issue on a child. Yeah. You know, let them be children, and that that has has and will always be my 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 my, my mo. I have no reason to want a child to be a grown-up. You know, gives them the opportunity of growth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, knowing God is very, very important, and knowing of God, and knowing that this this thing that they call diamorphic that you're looking at now mm -hmm. is what God created. You know, I I I laugh at some of the people I do know that have had you know a little nip and a tuck and everything <laughs> else. Yeah, and I and I left. I asked him. I said, "What do you think that you can do to improve upon perfection?" That's what God created. Child, exactly. Don't be crazy, okay? <laughs> you know, I keep asking, "What have you done? Who? What doctor do you go to?" I said, "His name is God. <laughs> That's my doctor." Wise counsel, indeed. You know, my pastor, uh, Mike Walrun, over at uh, First Corinthian Baptist Church here in Harlem, New York. Uh, we were at a men's retreat years ago and he spoke to that. You know, he's saying, you know, God did all the work he did to create the world. And when he was mm -hmm. finished, he said, it is good. And yes. then here we come with, oh, we're going to be great, amazing, fantastic. You're going to be better than God? Exactly. Really? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, makes no Tell sense. me about it. You try being better. <laughs> now, you know, in many ways, you know, you being your authentic self really kind of led and advocating for yourself led to your, your first hit, Don't Make Me Over. I know a lot of young people may not know this story. I know it, but a lot of young people may not. Would you like to share the story of how that first song came together? Uh <laughs> yeah, well, it was a case of I was doing demonstration records and background work in the city of New York while I was in college. And um Backrack and David were the songwriters that I was doing the majority of those demonstration records for. They wrote a song called Make It Easy on Yourself. I did the demonstration record of it and fell in love with the song. And they kept badgering me to record. Oh, you got to record, you got to record. I write about it. I said, okay, as long as it doesn't interfere with my education, because my mother would kill me and you. So, <laughs> you know, that's a primary issue here. And uh, I said, as long as I have, make it easy on yourself as my first recording. And they agreed to that. Well, I was on my way into New York from school uh, to do a couple of sessions. And on the radio, I heard this male voice singing my song, Make It Easy on Yourself, which did not make me such a happy camper. But by the time I got to New York and got into their faces, <laughs> I kind of 
was not such a lady. <laughs> You're a Jersey girl with it, huh? <laughs> exactly. Jersey jumped out of me. <laughs> and I let them know, under any circumstances, don't even try to make me over. This is something you can't do. You made a promise to me. That's what you're supposed to do. Keep it. And uh, Hal David put in the paper, came up with a little song called Don't Make Me Over. That was my first recording. Look at that. Standing up for yourself, being your authentic self led to your first hit. (laughs) Yeah. Hal David, what a talented, amazing writer. Uh, It was incredible. I never, ever called him a a songwriter. I always called him a poet. Mm -hmm. He wrote to the heart, not at it. And um, the words that he wrote were things that people authentically wanted to say. You know, he didn't he didn't fudge around, in other words. You know, he, he kind of put it where people understood and had a reason to want to say those words. So, you know, I, I, and I miss him terribly. I really do. Yeah. He was a wonderful friend. That's great. Um, you know, you mentioned education and, and how important your mom said it was to you oh, yeah. uh, and that she would get you if you didn't complete that. You know, as I as I have watched your career as a fan and I uh, did some research in preparation for this conversation, you know, it came back time and time again. People talked about, you know, of course, how wonderful Burt Bacharach and Hal David were as our songwriting team, but how complicated and difficult their material was and how you brought so much life to it. Talk to me about the role of your education and your training and in taking these natural gifts that you had and then elevating them and, and serving you over this long career of yours. It, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, Backrack's melodies, uh, basically, you almost had to be a college graduate or at least have some knowledge of music in order to, to sing those songs. Um, and even those who had the knowledge of music found it very difficult singing. You know, he has um, a genius way, and I have to say that, of marching to his own drummer. And if you intend to be a part of that scene, a part of that um, musical composition, then you have to learn to march to that drummer as well. And uh, I found it very easy. In fact, it was almost like taking an exam every time we went to the studio with him. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, let me see if she can do this. You know, it's kind of the attitude I thought he took every time we recorded. And you're like, I you got know, this, what you got next? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I sound like promises, promises. Um, changes meter every bar. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, really? That's what you want to do? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I find my education has been very beneficial to me. And so, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, as we listen to music, you know, they've always got something to say about current music and current artists. And though they're not musical enough, they're not strong enough, they're not this, not that. Um, but, you know, what would you say, you know, I, first of all, I love current music and I love current artists. I, I, I get it. But, you know, yes. training is super important, I think. And I'm just curious about what you would share with them in terms of taking whatever natural gifts they have and finding ways to enhance that gift through training and through education. And, and I, well, first of all, you have to find the importance of education, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not give any advice to any of them because apparently whatever they're doing comes from them. You know, it's, it's how they feel, how they want to sound, how they uh, how they create. So I, there's no way in the world I would want to change 
anything. In fact, that's saying to them, be something that you're not. Be not who you are. You know, so that's not being fair to them. You know, um, it may be a case of musically, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, it, it would not stand the test of time as mine has over these past 60 years. Mm -hmm. But it's something that is, you know, making the musical scene what it is today. And it's it's also being true to who they are. I love it. I love that answer. Um, And and in many ways, I I agree with you. And, you know, they've got to be true to who they are. And I don't think it's fair to really you know, chastise them either when we've removed music from school, education programs and such. They don't have the training ground that we necessarily had exactly. back in the day. So they have found a way to invent with what was available to them. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you spent a lot of time on our television screens from Solid Gold mm-hmm. to some of those infomercials. Uh, and I think it's important for people to, you know, like yourself, to be able to tap into other talents you have and diversify the ways you're generating revenue. But for some people who don't know themselves, you can get lost in that sometime. How are you able to, to navigate those things but still not lose sight of who Dion Warwick, the amazing vocalist and recording artist, was? I, I think everything I've done, aside from recording, uh, is part of the musical evolution I'm supposed to go through. You know, that includes television, includes film, it includes the information that I did, it includes anything that the path that I'm being led. Um, I haven't, I didn't choose this path. It's chosen me and I'm just following it. So, you know, whatever comes next, that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> now, I, I know that family is important to you. You're a mom and a grandma yes. and an aunt. And also, you know, your friendships obviously important to you. <laughs> How have you been able to, to nurture those relationships with friends and family over all these years and not fall into some of the pitfalls that other stars have where they're feuding with family or lose friends and have public feuds with other celebrities? How have you avoided those things? I'm not crazy. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing. I respect and love my mom and dad. God rest his souls. My siblings, both of them, unfortunately, have made their transitions, but they were very special to me. My aunt Sissy was still kicking right now. She's still alive and hanging in there and as spicy as ever. You know, um, all my friends uh, that are still with us. Uh, I went to school, started grammar school, straight up through high school. Um, we still see each other. We still talk to each other. And we're all grasping this technology of texting and FaceTime and all that craziness. Right. But we do stay in touch. And I think that's quite important. You know, those friendships mean an awful lot to me and will always mean a lot to me. Um, and I don't want to ever ever lose that you know whenever i've been able to spend time with them i have a dear friend shirley <laughs> who has been my friend since she's seven years old and uh she's the one who has kept in touch with everybody make sure she had all the right addresses and phone numbers and when she knows i'm going to be home she'll gather everybody up at her house and we'll all hang out and reminisce and tell lies and all that because of the way <laughs> you do. You know, and I, I catch up on who's doing and who's got married, how many children are there, and all those kinds of wonderful things that complete a, a, a person, I think. Um, I don't ever want to lose that, ever. And I intend not to. 
It's it's really amazing and wonderful to hear that. You know, so many people don't have that story. You know, they get that first hit or that first film mm-hmm. and they claim that other people change, their friends claim they're changed. Who knows what happens, but it happens. It's just a blessing and wonderful to see that that hasn't happened for you. That's yeah, you. they won't let me. It's just wonderful. Yeah, girlfriend, please, don't let me try it. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> a couple more questions and we'll, take, we'll get you out of here. Uh, I know you're a woman of faith. You know, Ms. Warwick, how has your faith fueled your journey through your life and your career? What role has it really kind of played for you? Everything. Every single thing. I don't walk on the stage without saying a prayer. Uh, you know, because I don't go out there by myself. I make sure of that. <laughs> um, I just uh, feel that is the completion of who Dion is. You know, that I, my faith is very, very strong. Um, and God is a, a very, very important thing to me. You know, whatever he or she happens to be. And I feel that um, my faith grew from my family. As I said, I come from a gospel singing family. My grandfather was a minister. Um, I learned the worth and words of prayer through my family, who taught me very, very carefully that that would see me through regardless. It was up or what goes down. Prayer is truly the answer. And for those of you who never had to think about it, I think do yourselves a favor. There's a little thing called the Bible. It gives you all the stories that you need to know. And at the very end of that thing called the Bible, it's a thing called Revelations. And that's something, if you want to really know what's going on, go to that first. Learn what's happening right at this very minute through our lives. So, you know, I don't um, push my faith on anybody. Mm-hmm. That's something you have to find for yourself. But I truly believe in mine. And uh, it's carried me this long. And I don't think I'm going to give it up yet. It sure is. <laughs> and, you know, people experience your faith through how you move through the world. The way you handle people and situations and, and, and moments is an indication of who you are and what you believe in and who you belong to. I know, yeah. you know, we all know these people who have built careers uh, on profiting from other people's pain. And I know it's yeah. affected you, it's affected your loved ones, but you've consistently seemed to navigate those situations honestly and dealing with them straight ahead, but with mm-hmm. as much grace as anybody could expect. Would you say your faith has something to do with how you've been able to navigate those situations? Uh, absolutely. You know, my grandfather used to, you know, I, I used to ask him questions. You know, I was I was the one. I was his nemesis. <laughs> Grandpa, why, why, why? And uh, I, I I asked him one time, and I think so many times he did not ever get. He didn't give me an answer because he couldn't. I asked him. I said, "Why is it that people get such joy out of other people's pain?" And he he looked at me because I think I must have been fifteen or sixteen when I asked that, and he said. Baby girl, I cannot answer you. I don't know. That's something that they have to deal with within themselves. And uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. How can I get joy out of your pain? What, 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 what gives me the right to do that? Or why would I even think of wanting to do something like that in nature? Right. You know, it, it's ugly. And I don't want no ugliness around me. You know, my grandpa used to tell me all the time, smile as much as you can, because you don't get wrinkles when you smile. 
Do you see any? No, none at all. <laughs> you know, uh, you've always committed to to being uh, someone who uses your power to create positive change in the world. And obviously, uh, that wonderful single, That's What Friends Are For, is an example of that, as you guys were the first to step up and really raise significant amounts yeah. of money for AIDS research. Um, but again, I think things get lost over time and people remember the shiny uh fun parts of things and they forget what really that was birthed out of. Um, Can you kind of paint, and I hate to go here, but I think it's important for younger people to know, can you kind of paint a picture of that moment in time and what you and friends around you were experiencing and that what led you to act and and to support the efforts the way you did? Yeah. You know, first of all, I preface it. I've been asked this question several times Mm -hmm. and I preface it by saying, first of all, Dion is nosy. You know, I want to know. And I was remember it like it was yesterday, sitting in my home with a couple of friends who were watching TV, and on that show was a uh, the evolution of AIDS. We didn't know what it was. It happened to be a young young man who was a steward who flew back into San Francisco, and we watched him actually die. We watched his, him shrivel into. We didn't know where it was. We thought it was cancer, a cancer of some sort. And until Rock Hudson put a face on it, we didn't know what it was until that point in time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said it was Agent Orange, it was this, it was that. Nobody really knew. And I finally said, you know, after losing my ballet to AIDS, I said, no, no, we got to find out what this is. I, I want to know because... If I'm going to be around folks that have it, I want to know first of all how to combat it and how to protect myself from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I became the one who picked up the phone and called NHA, and, and I called CDC. I got to know Tony Fauci very well. In fact, I became his nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he gave me answers. I traveled the entire world looking for solutions based on what I was hearing happening in Sweden, what I was hearing happening in, in Germany, what hearing in England here, you know, things that were seemed to be working. I would fly in, pick it up, bring it back into the States. I mean, I was smuggling drugs, <laughs> but they were working. They were working on people, you know, in fact, I've been coming to customs at one time. Yeah. Flying out of here lockdown. What's going on? I said, I'm smuggling drugs. He said, What? <laughs> You're doing what? I said, Yeah, AIDS. AIDS drugs. Drugs for AIDS. Get out of here. Go, go, go. You know, people being afraid to say the word. Right. Instead of, you know, so education became my, my efficacy. I wanted people to know what they were fighting so they could fight it. You know, Ronald Reagan making me the ambassador of health in the United States in the 80s uh, had a lot to do with my being able to interface with the WHO, World Health Organization, to interface with the health departments in these other countries so that I would get an understanding of what they were going through and making them realize that it was happening right around them as well. So uh, come on, kids, let's all get a grip here, you know, and and see what we can do about it. Mm -hmm. I'm still very, very much involved with it. You know, I, I promised that I was on that train ride from the very beginning. And until it made its final stop with the cure, absolute cure, 
I would be on that train ride, and I still am. So, you know, and people still come to me and ask, well, what's going on now? And I, I say, well, I'm not doing the research that I used to do, but I will stop and take, take notice as to what is going on, if anything. And as I find out, so will you know. So, you know, it's still very, very much a part of what I'm doing. This pandemic at this point in time as well. I think if we just take heed and do what we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, be selfless, not selfish. Exactly. You know, I'm seeing nothing but selfishness right now. Uh-huh. People not, not doing what they've been asked to do, not only to protect themselves, but to protect those around them. It's, it's a very easy thing to put a mask on. What's wrong with it? It's you know, not you go in the bag and rob it. <laughs> put that mask on. <laughs> well, before I leave you, I want to read something to you and, and get a response to it. Mm-hmm. The windows of the world are covered with rain. Yeah, yes. Where is the sunshine we once knew? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows when little children play, they need a sunny day to go straight and tall. Let the sun shine through. Absolutely, I'll date it. Those, were, those words resonate you, so deeply. Masterful, masterful. You know, he wrote words that meant something. And, uh, you know, those words will stay as true to you today as they did to me in the 60s when they were recorded or written. So, you know, um, and they will live long, before, long after I'm gone. You know, these are words that sustain with meaning. And Ms. Warwick, could we, could you leave us with a thought? Uh, Barack Obama asks this question often of people when he's in conversation with them. How are you experiencing the world or your world currently? And how would you like it to be? How am I experiencing it? Yeah, not to just take it one day at a time, you know, see what, what transpires. Um, jumping ahead or thinking ahead never, ever worked and never will work. Um, they consist of 24 consistent hours. And you can't skip an hour in order to get to that 24. So I take it one day at a time. And whatever happens during the course of that day, I have to deal with it that day. I can't deal with it tomorrow. Because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. First of all, nobody does. Absolutely. But that day has to be fulfilled. So I, I guess the answer is I take it one day at a time. Well, thank you so much for taking this moment of your time and sharing it <laughs> with <laughs> us. Prayers for a wonderful continuation of your life for you. And we need more people loving and living and being authentic the way you are. Thank you so much, Miss Warwick. It's been my pleasure, and thank you very, very much for inviting me to be a part of this. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye. Miss Dion Warwick, what a wonderful conversation. What a wonderful soul. What a shining example of staying relevant by simply being yourself. Dion Warwick is a great example, man, of grace under fire and the positive, positive effects of knowing who you are and being true to who you are and yet being humble and most importantly, being grateful for all that you've been blessed to experience and to receive. Uh, I think that family, friendships and faith are the compass that always point us to the way home. And the lyrics of many of the hits she sung over the years sum it up better than I ever could. What the world needs now is love. 
And through good times and bad times, loving family and your true friends, your homies, your partners, your girls, they'll be by your side. That's what friends are for. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and you'll come back often. That you'll follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ricky Day, R-I-C-K-Y-D-A-Y. And that you'll spread the word so that together we can change the world one conversation at a time. Remember, you can subscribe to Nothing to Lose But Yourself wherever you listen to your podcast. Please share this with your friends and have an amazing day and an amazing 2021. Together, we can make a difference. Together, we can change this crazy world. And uh, there's no time like now to start. My name is Ricky Day, and this is Nothing to Lose But Yourself.